Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome to the X-Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network, coming to you live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Now, for all the latest news on Paragators TV www.paragators.org. My guest this hour, Exonation, is Nunzio Adabo, and uh, he is a retired international engineer and construction management consultant on some of the world's largest projects. Licensed as an amateur radio operator since 1950, he speaks English, Spanish, Italian, and some Farsi is an experienced technical writer, inventor of the patented Pilot's VOR speed position calculator, and the split parabola antenna holds commendations from the National Academy of Science and Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory and instrument-rated commercial pilot. He is the capture team outsider with the inside secrets and the JFK assassination conspiracy, and a historian, and is a member of the uh, American Radio Relay League, the Radio Society of Tucson, the three the 398th Bomb Group Memorial Association, the Air Force Navigators Observer Association, the Military Officers Association of America, and the Association of Former Intelligence Officers. 
Joining me now is Nunzio Abedbo. Adabo. I'm sorry about that, Nunzio. Welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you very much, Rob. Appreciate the call. Tell me, um, what are your qualifications uh, when it comes to discussing UFOs and extraterrestrials? Well, ever since uh, I obtained my uh, astronomy merit badge as a Boy Scout many years ago, Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe it was around 1935 or possibly 36. I often wondered if uh, other intelligence existed in our universe. Uh, Then after high school, I became an aviation cadet and was commissioned a B-17 navigator during World War II. Uh, I was engaged in uh, 30 uh, combat missions in Europe. Then after the war, I became a uh, civil engineer and taught celestial navigation in the Air Force Reserves. And I also became an instrument-rated pilot, commercial pilot, Mm -hmm. and uh, became a licensed amateur radio operator in 1950. And uh, as a radio operator, antennas have always uh, been my passion. I invented the uh, split paraboloid antenna and the uh, pilot's uh, speed position calculator. Uh, In 1956, the uh, National Academy of Sciences uh, announced that they were um, forming the International Geophysical Year, and um, that would be the uh, period uh, um, from July 1957 to December 1958. Uh, and it was during that uh, 18-month period when we were going to be, be tracking a satellite to be placed in an equatorial orbit by a Vanguard rocket. Uh, um, across the U.S., so at that time, we had, um, when the uh, program was in full operation, we, we had 115 uh, optical tracking stations mm-hmm. in the U.S., and I, uh, I directed the largest one with 16 telescopes and a team of uh, 90 observers. Uh, As we all know, the Russians uh, launched the first satellite called Sputnik. Sputnik, that's right. On uh, October the 4th, 1957. Uh, I just happened to be uh, conducting a practice session that night and became the first person to officially track and record Sputnik. Nunzio, please stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. Exxon Nation, our very, very special good. guest this hour is Nunzio Adabo. Adabo, that's right. His website is, here's a couple of websites. Interesting gentleman, www.sisterglobe.com, www.hamheroes.com, and www.target-jfk.com. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break in two minutes as we continue here in the X-Zone from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I made love to an alien, B. Roswell, last night. We strolled along together. Something wasn't right. I made love to me last night. 
you gripped my hand, I was feeling mighty fine. But her fingers with mine would not intertwine. When I bent down and gazed into her eyes, there were bigger donuts and blacker than the sky. She said, I'm feeling lonely. Exo Nation, uh, Nunzio Adebo was our special guest. His websites here, I've got three very interesting websites for you. www.sisterglobe.com That's www.sisterglobe.com The next uh, site is hamheroes.com That's H-A-M-H-E-R-O-S.com And the third site, target-jfk.com Dot com. Nunzio, before we went to the uh, commercial break, we were talking about uh, UFOs, and I asked you about your, you know, your qualifications to discuss UFOs and extraterrestrials. And you were telling us that you were the first observer to actually track the Sputnik satellite that was. Uh, go- now we're going back to what is it? 50, 59, 50, 58, 59? That would be uh, no. That was October. October 4th, 1957. Okay. What was it like watching the very first or tracking the very first uh, satellite put in orbit by by man? What was it like? Yes, sir. Uh, Well, Sputnik uh, uh, revolved around the Earth uh, approximately every 90 uh, 90, um, uh, uh, 90 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it was transmitting a, a series of beeps, uh, not not Morse code, but a series of beeps on uh, 20.005 megahertz. Uh, it also transmitted on 40.002 megahertz. And um, uh, I recorded those signals on my ham radio and um, gave the, uh, the tapes to uh, WTHI in Terre Haute and uh, also the Star News. Uh, newspapers in uh, Terre Haute. I have an interesting story about um, about that Sputnik. Uh, would you like to hear it? Oh, I certainly would. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, uh, Frank Edwards, at that time, uh, very, very uh, Frank Edwards was a very well known uh, UFO uh, buff, mm-hmm. and uh, he Frank Edwards uh, at that time was also the uh, nightly news anchor in Andy, in Indianapolis. And uh, shortly after Sputnik was launched, I received a call from Frank. Uh, he wanted me to um, go to Indianapolis to try and solve a local mystery involving electronics. Uh, he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't give me any details. He just thought that I might help. So I drove to Indianapolis. And when I arrived at uh, at the site of the mystery. Uh, there was a little house with, with, with the roped-off uh, yellow uh, police ribbon. Mm-hmm. There were police cars available and fire trucks, and there were two electricians on the site. Uh, the area was all lit up with floodlights. There was a large table with coffee and donuts, and Frank had a TV uh, crew on hand. I said, Frank, what's, what's going on here? He said, see, just wait a few minutes. And her garage door is going to go open automatically. Well, I began to make notes. I took and I waited. And shortly after, sure enough, the garage door went up. And then waited and waited. And then 90 minutes later, the garage door closed. 
Well, this went on all night. And when I reviewed my notes, uh, the, the mystery was solved. Every time Sputnik passed overhead, its signal would uh, uh, trigger the, uh, the lady's garage door, and it would open it. And then on the next pass, it would shut it. Well, the electricians on the site, they took the garage door opener apart, and uh, they determined that the, the garage door frequency somehow was operating on 20.05 megahertz. That was Sputnik's uh, frequency. My goodness. <laughs> so, so the so the mystery... <laughs> the mystery solved. <laughs> T- tell me, Nunzio, do you believe that UFOs are visiting our planet? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they are. They, they are. Uh, and I, I, I'm equally sure that uh, they are because of their uh, unbelievable speed and maneuverability of the UFOs. Uh, we we just don't have any type of aircraft on uh, on Earth that can achieve speeds of over Mach 40, and uh, you know Mach 1, uh, depending on the altitude, is about what 743 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So Mach Mach 40, uh, you're looking at 30,000 miles an hour, and we just don't have anything uh, that maneuver that can fly that fast on Earth. Not 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 to my knowledge. Do you think that the government or the governments of the world are actually suppressing information about UFOs and their intent on this planet? Absolutely. We can go back to <clears throat> we can go back to um, Roswell, mm-hmm. the Roswell crash in 1947. That was the that was the biggest cover up that that began with our government. And uh, I have firsthand information on that. Oh, um, could you share it with us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, here's what I know and how I know it. Uh, at first, uh, there were actually, as far as I could determine, there were two crashes mm-hmm. at the, at Roswell uh, in 1947, and that was the first. Uh, that was the first. That was the first week in July, 1947. Uh, there were two UFOs in the area. Uh, probably photographing and wiretapping signals from Alamogordo, uh, the nuclear test center there, also the Army uh, air base uh, there, and also the radio facilities at White Sands. And uh, from the uh, information that I have, <clears throat> one of the UFOs developed a computer failure during the early morning hours of uh, July 3rd and crashed. Uh, the second uh, uh, UFO waited for instructions uh, to rescue the first crash. Uh, then, during a low uh, pass recovery, uh, attempting to um, to recover the first UFO, it developed the same computer failure, and it crashed on July the fourth. And of course, the authorities immediately surrounded the area. Uh, they closed it to the public, and they had the uh, alien bodies uh, transported to. Uh, Hangar 18 at uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. How do I know this? Uh, I was a good friend of Senator Barry Goldwater. I met met, uh, Barry many years ago through ham radio. Mm -hmm. Uh, Barry was a very active ham radio operator. And uh, we we became good friends on the radio, and we met several times in person. And I had uh, a lot of contacts with uh, Barry over the years. Uh, now, Barry 
believed in UFOs. Uh, how do I know? He told me. He said, Nuns, I believe in UFOs. So one day, I asked uh, Barry, I asked him if he ever uh, had been to Hangar 18. Here's what he told me. Uh, that one day, he talked to General Curtis LeMay uh, for access into that hangar, and uh, bombs away LeMay told him, Damn you, Barry, don't you ever ask me that question again. Well, you know, I, I always believed that Barry actually did get into Hangar 18, uh, but uh, told that story to many people as a, uh, as a uh, plausible denial story. Uh, and, and now the story gets better. I also knew a Harry Godley. Now, Harry, at that time, was in charge of all civilian personnel at uh, Wright-Patterson in the 40s and 50s. And if I understand uh, right, there were, there were over 2,000 uh, civilian employees at Wright-Patterson going back to that time. That's correct. Yeah, now, later, later on, Harry was hired by Howard Hughes for several projects. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another long story for another time. Uh, I have some, some great details about that. But anyway, I asked Harry uh, what he knew about Hangar 18, and here's what he told me. Uh, Hangar, Hangar 18 has always been guarded around the clock by armed guards, and uh, that I was refused entry to that hangar. I heard from several high-ranking officers that alien bodies were in the hangar. And uh, he also said that uh, I learned later on bodies were secretly transported to Area 51 in Nevada. That's uh, the old Area 51. That's the Groom Lake area, mm-hmm. yeah. just north of uh, north of Las Vegas. Now the whole world knows that Area 51 has always been a secret and well-guarded base, and it, uh, all the known sources uh, tell me that they have an underground city there. I've got this all detailed in my book, Globe. But doesn't it make sense that that a nation as uh, as as strong and as free as the United States should have secrecy when it comes to the development of weapons that could be used against other countries that that would pose a threat to the United States and having a city under under the under the tarmacs of of Area Fifty One especially in the days uh, of satellite photography that is so perfect, would make a lot of sense to a lot of people. How does this help with the, with, the, with, the, with the story that there's crashed UFOs and aliens that are actually being kept at Area 51? And why, is the, why do the, the skeptics or the true believers downplay the part of national security? Well, I'm not so sure about that. But uh, but here, here, here's what's strange about about the whole episode. Why does uh, why does um, um, uh, Title 14, uh, Section 1211 of the Code of Federal Regulations mm-hmm. in the U.S. make it illegal for U.S. citizens to have any contacts with uh, extraterrestrials or their vehicles? Uh, that's that's one of the uh, reasons why uh, our famous astronaut. Uh, Gordon Cooper was at odds with NASA and the Pentagon. 
He wanted to, re to reveal all these uh, secrets, and they wouldn't let him. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour, Nunzio. Nunzio okay. Adabo is our special guest explanation. Three websites. Sisterglobe.com is number one. Hamheroes.com is number two. And target-jfk.com is number three. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Talkstar Radio Network and the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away. We'll be back right after the news. But something wasn't right. I made love to last night. When she gripped my hand, I was feeling mighty fine. Better fingers with my... So I went back to the doctors because when I needed a second opinion and I went back and told him he was a good doctor, but he wasn't there. I got some woman in a white coat standing there. I said, excuse me, but who are you? She said, I'm a nurse practitioner. I said, well, you mean you're practicing being a nurse? She said, no, 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 not quite like that. No, I am a quality. Oh, then why do they call you a practitioner? Because you're practicing on me. I'm not sure I want that. She said, no, 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 no. Nurse practitioners allowed to give you prescriptions, help you with minor surgeries, and all that kind of thing. I, you know, and I take care of you when the dog's not around. She said, we're going to become really popular. I said, well, blimey, somebody like you is going to be really popular. Let me tell you. Oh, she said, she got offended with that. So I said, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. But now I know what a nurse practitioner is, don't I? Remember that, nurse practitioner, they're the future. Find a good one. For more information on Alfie and Jeff Knott, visit www.navigatingthehealthcaremaze.com. That's www.navigatingthehealthcaremaze.com. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Guest, three websites for you, Exxon Nation. www.sisterglobe.com. That's www.sisterglobe.com. Hamheroes.com. And target-jfk.com. 
Nunzio, I have to ask you at this point, have you ever had an encounter with an extraterrestrial? And if so, when, where, and under what circumstances? Yes. When I wrote, um, when I wrote uh, Target uh, JFK, mm-hmm. well, that was the final chapter in the JFK assassination, um, I had no, no idea of Boris Kuchenko's uh, true identity. Uh, but uh, Boris, uh, in my book, is a Russian who eliminated one of the members of the hit team uh, who uh, assassinated President Kennedy. I met Boris in Mexico, and he looked he looked exactly like uh, a typical uh, white earthling. Uh, I I learned <clears throat> when I wrote Globe that Boris was an extraterrestrial. From Globe, and that his son Boris Jr. Uh, lives in Moscow, and he's a member of the conditioning team that you'll find very interesting. <clears throat> uh, Boris uh, Sr. was a uh, barred, uh, barred from uh, Las Vegas casinos because he was winning uh, too much money at blackjack. <clears throat> According to the um, documents that I transcribed from Globe. I learned that, uh, he, that he had, like all globes, uh, microchips implanted in his temporal bones, which uh, sent impulses to his brain, giving him a computer memory. I, I had no clue how that worked, but uh, Boris a Sr. Uh, died uh, a few years ago. I believe it was, um, uh, I think it was in early, about 2001 and possibly 2002. And he died of uh, lung failure. And the reason he died of lung failure is uh, that, uh, according to Globe, um, uh, uh, Globe, the alien globes, <clears throat> cannot tolerate the uh, Earth's polluted atmosphere. And so they need to have their lungs purged uh, frequently. <clears throat> and that was my... Uh, my encounter with an extraterrestrial. Now, you've made a couple of references uh, to a globe. Uh, What exactly are globe, or who is globe? Well, globe globe is is the book I wrote about the uh, uh, Earth's new sister planet. And uh, uh, there's a a friend of mine uh, met a physicist at the Arecibo uh, Observatory in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Arecibo Observatory is the world's largest radio antenna. Uh, Arecibo uh, uh, antenna is a spherical dish embedded in the ground, and it's a 1,000-foot uh, uh, diameter dish that sends signals to outer space in hopes of uh, making uh, contact with uh, aliens. I've been there several times. So I did work in Puerto Rico, and uh, I've been there during construction and then after uh, it was in operation. So uh, is it I, – I, I'm a little confused here, and I hope you can help uh, straighten me out. This this agent who you believe to have been white that you met, I believe it was in Mexico – was was responsible or had some responsibility in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy? Am I correct so far? Uh, no, he well, no, he uh, he was on the uh, <clears throat> my whole book uh, target JFK mm-hmm. is the um, is the, the the story of uh, of the um, 
for the JFK assassination uh, solution. And it, uh, it involves a friend of mine that I met many years ago when I uh, returned from a trip in South America. And uh, the Russian, uh, Boris Kuchenko, uh, happened to be a member of his team. And um, that's the team that eliminated the hit team that killed Kennedy. Oh, he was a good guy. Oh, all right. So Boris, who was re- part of the team that eliminated the team who assassinated President Kennedy, which means that the Russians were behind the assassination of President Kennedy, if, if I'm following this correctly, was an alien. So does that mean that the the governments of the world, specifically the Russian government, was infiltrated or had been filled with extraterrestrials? Well, um, no, I don't, I don't think that's true. I, I don't think that uh, the Russians had anything to do with the assassination. It just happens that uh, Boris Kuchenko happened to be in Mexico City when, uh, when Leah Harvey Oswald uh, went to Mexico City mm-hmm. to, um, uh, to the Russian embassy, and uh, he also went to the, um, to the uh, Cuban embassy. That's when he met Boris Kuchenko. And uh, uh, Boris Kuchenko... Uh, became a uh, member of the Tony's uh, capture team. Oh, I got gotcha. you. And um, uh, back in um, on in um, on February 11th, mm-hmm. 1990, uh, I was an assassination target in Chile. I was shot off a high riprap pile and spent time in two Chilean hospitals and physical therapy in the U.S. And um, it was uh, Boris Kruchenko who poisoned the man who tried to assassinate me. That's, that's how I met Boris. Why would someone want to assassinate you? Well, because I could identify Kennedy's killers. Now, that's who, written in my book, Target JFK. All right, who was responsible for the assassination of President Kennedy? Well, it's a conglomeration of, uh, of um, organizations uh, starting... With the mafia, the oil, the oil syndicate, and um, uh, a um, a um, uh, the um, the um, a bank organization, and uh, the oil the oil syndicate, the uh, worldwide oil syndicate, they were all joined together, and they had one man that coordinated the um, the effort, and his name was uh, Dan Daniel Hill. And Daniel Hill eventually was eliminated in Iran. And if this information is true, and, and I'm not doubting it, it's, it's not. I'm just questioning it. How come this story hasn't been carried by mainstream media? And uh, how come nobody's been brought to justice on it yet? Because uh, because the Kennedys uh, suppressed all the information, uh, I tried <clears throat> I tried to get uh, the, the book uh, uh, into the uh, the Texas uh, book depository uh, where the assassination took place, mm-hmm. uh, which is run by the Kennedy family, and the um, the director of the live of the, uh, the, the the that book uh, depository is now. The Kennedy Library, and uh, it's, it's toured uh, year-round by thousands of uh, people. Uh, when we tried to get our book uh, into the library, they said, "No, the Kennedys 
allow only the uh, books on the Kennedy family, you know, Camelot, uh, the old man Kennedy, uh, Kennedy Jr., JFK, uh, Jackie, mm-hmm. and the Warren Commission report. No other books are allowed in that library. And um, so the book has been suppressed, uh, not only my book, but uh, uh, other books on the Kennedys' uh, assassination have been suppressed by the Kennedy family. Why would, they, sure. why would they want to have this information suppressed? Why wouldn't they want the world to know who killed President Kennedy? Well, apparently it's going to be revealed in 2038. 75 years after the assassination is when they say they will release the records. And, of course, I'm not going to be around then. Mm-hmm. And uh, neither were most of the people that knew anything about the assassination. It would be 2038 when, they re- when the records will be released. And that's when they'll find out who did it. And it was a team, it was a team of assassins uh, that were Bolivian. Bolivian assassins. There were nine members on that hit team. And uh, the uh, my my friends' uh, capture team eliminated all of them. What was the role that Lee Harvey Oswald then had in the assassination of President Kennedy? Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was uh, given a contract not to kill Kennedy, but to shoot the driver of the motorcade, and uh, <clears throat> with the um, the object of slowing down the motorcade and stopping it, and then. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Carlo Perez, who would be on the uh, Dow Tex building, um, would take the final shot from the Dow Tex building while the uh, <clears throat> while the motorcade was stopped. Well, <clears throat> Oswald suspected that he was being set up as a patsy, and when the motorcade made the final turn onto Elm Street, he chickened out and went down to the little coffee shop on the. Uh, uh, ground floor, or second floor, rather, and uh, his backup, which was a guy by the name of Gabriel, uh, was his backup. He's the one who actually took three shots uh, to shoot the driver, and he uh, the first shot missed. I believe it was the second shot that hit uh, 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 Johnson and not Kennedy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and during that day, there were actually seven shots fired. Seven shots but only five of the shots were real were real shots. The other two were remote charges that were placed in the grassy knoll and the trees, remote-controlled charges. Uh, so there were three shots from the, uh, from the Texas Book Depository, one shot from the Dow Tex building that hit Kennedy in the back of the head, and then another shot from the grassy knoll by uh, Dan Hill that I mentioned was the, lead, was the organizer of the uh, of the group, and he took the funnel shot. Now, uh, Oswald, Oswald was supposed to go out the back door of the book depository, and he knew he knew that there was uh, something going on. And instead of going out the back door, where he was going to be shot by uh, by Dan Hill, and uh, then Dan would take the credit for killing the uh, man who killed Kennedy, and uh, Oswald went out the front door. He went out the front door. Nobody stopped him. Mm-hmm. He went to his uh, boarding room uh, where he picked up his uh, revolver, and he went to the um, he went to the theater, and he went to the theater uh, to uh, to pick up his money. He had this contract for twenty twenty five thousand dollars, and he was supposed to pick up his money. 
Well, he went up then. That's that's when he was apprehended by the police. Was there a was the uh, was Jack Ruby part of the plot, or was Jack Ruby just a person who loved President Kennedy who got caught up in the emotional swing of the events? Yeah, Jack Ruby was also a patsy, set up by Dan Hill. Uh, Dan, uh, Dan Hill brainwashed him uh, to believe that uh, that uh, that Oswald was the one who actually shot Kennedy, and so he he had a contract to kill. Oswald, and he did. And he, of course, uh, uh, Jack Ruby, <clears throat> Jack Ruby uh, was an ex-mafia mm-hmm. uh, hoodlum who uh, ran the Carousel Club in Dallas, and he was in with all the police. He'd, he'd give the police um, free drinks and uh, free access to some of his girls, and so he could come and go uh, to police lines without being stopped, and that's how he got into the basement. Uh, to assassinate uh, Oswald when they were getting ready to take Oswald uh, into another cell. Nunzio, please stand by. We've got to take our final break for this hour. Exxon Nation. Very interesting, gentlemen. Nunzio Ad Adabo. Here's some websites. Sisterglobe.com Hamheroes.com Target-JFK.com That's Target-JFK.com I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network and on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away. Interesting hour here with our guest of this hour, Nunzio Adabau. His uh, websites are sisterglobe.com, hamheroes.com, and target-jfk.com. Tell me, Nunzio, one question I've always wanted to ask someone, is there a connection between extraterrestrials and the Bermuda Triangle? Oh, yeah. Um. I have um, the report. When I wrote my book, Ham uh, um, 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 Radio Heroes, mm-hmm. <clears throat> during my research, I received uh, many uh, uh, letters uh, for ham radio operators that wanted to be in my book. <clears throat> now, two of those letters were from uh, um, operators <clears throat> that <clears throat> heard signals uh, in the Bermuda Triangle on 652 megahertz. 
And one was a, uh, a maritime mobile, the other was uh, an aeronautical mobile. Now, what makes that interesting is that, uh, or, or unusual, is that 652 megahertz happens to be uh, TV channel uh, 44, and uh, there's no such uh, channel uh, 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 broadcasting in the Bermuda Triangle on that frequency. Um, <clears throat> and... Um, and uh, let's see, when when was it? Uh, this uh, this would been, this would have been uh, um, in, 19, in the early uh, 1980s is when I received these reports uh, about the uh, signals coming out of uh, the Bermuda Triangle. Now the other significant thing about that frequency, 652, is when I wrote my last book, Globe, mm -hmm. uh, it was determined that the extraterrestrials received signals from 652 megahertz and that one of their UFOs crashed in the Bermuda Triangle so so that the uh, signal that the signal being transmitted on 652 um, could not have been a an extraterrestrial uh, globe it was either a different extraterrestrial it was a one of our submarines uh, a foreign sub or possibly a USO uh, but it was not a uh, a uh, a signal being transmitted by glow, so that is very unusual. Now, I know I know that you're uh, you're an expert on paranormal, and I've got something that's really uh, going to interest you. Well, you know what? We've uh, run out of time for tonight, unfortunately. Uh, but we will have you back on because we still have so much to talk about. Nunzio, I want to thank you very much for joining us, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X Zone. Thank you very much, Ron. Appreciate it. It's been my pleasure, sir. Here's some websites, Exonation. www.sisterglobe.com www.hamheroes.com and www.target-jfk.com I'll be back on the other side of the news as the Exxon continues here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Talkstar Radio Network, and on the Exxon Broadcast Network. We'll be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away.